Y'all get ready. Yes, you get ready. news in the streets. Join us and tune in for the tea. Breaking news with integrity. So tell your friends and your family. It's the lovely TV show. Bringing you good tea and good vibes. It's the lovely TV show. Be sure to share, like, and subscribe. Hey, tea sippers. Happy Monday. It is a new month and I hope everyone is doing good today. It is now May 2nd. I cannot believe how fast April flew. But child, I got some more tea for you guys. So a lot of people have been wanting to talk about the whole Megan Fox situation. Now, I've been watching Megan Fox for a while. Like We've all know her from Transformers and all types of different movies. We know her as being the hot Burnett who is now currently dating Machine Gun Kelly. But I've also seen a more darker, stranger side kind of appear around Megan Fox as of late. So if you guys remember, a year ago, Megan Fox went viral. Because she went on to the Jimmy Kimmel show. Arsenio was hosting it at that time. And during that show appearance, she was basically talking about how she and Machine Gun Kelly, they went down to Costa Rica. And they basically went down to Costa Rica to go try ayahuasca, which is a very, very powerful, you know, hallucinogen. And a lot of people talk about this. A lot of people have tried it from Joe Rogan to all types of celebrities. They talked about it. And ayahuasca is very powerful. It's the type of drug that takes you to different dimensions. It opens up different parts of the brains. You feel like you're going through portals. Even back during Nazi Germany, it was said that Hitler and the Third Reich, they were basically using ayahuasca to speak to other beings in other dimensions to get technological advances during war times. The Nazi troops had some of the most advanced weaponry around that time. And a lot of folks believe that they got their power and their technology information from the occult, from using these drugs. And um, we talked about this in the Discord, my thoughts on um, Steve Jobs and how the whole Apple computer and everything came to be. And I even found an old article that dated back into like the 70s where he went on a mystical journey to like India or somewhere and he met with a bunch of monks. And I know with a lot of these ancient practices, they do things, they do use hallucinogens like ayahuasca. And when you take it and those drugs can open up certain parts of your mind that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to tap into without those drugs. And you're also opening yourself up to spirits and different things like that. So the whole ayahuasca thing, child, it goes deep. So anyhow, she was talking about her experience. And one of the things that frightened Megan, she saw herself in hell for eternity. And her and um, MGK both confirmed that there was a dark demonic spirit that was following MGK. So they had to give him like the triple dose of ayahuasca to try and get rid of this spirit, child. It was a whole mess. Y'all go ahead and check out this clip real quick. All jokes aside, it was it was one of the most important things that happened to me in my life. Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox may have a honeymoon to plan, but they've already taken a trip they'll never forget. The emo girl rocker joined Jimmy Kimmel Live this week and recalled taking ayahuasca with his now fiancé during a truly unforgettable getaway to Costa Rica last year. Megan previously called her experience with the psychedelic tea, quote, hell for eternity, but MGK seems to have another perspective, 
teasing Jimmy that he's grateful for even the most disturbing aspects of those fateful nights because he's come out of it a truly changed man. On the third night, I remember the shaman. <laughs> he had like a, a bottle of tobacco water and he did this thing where he went, and I saw like gray, like it would look like sand coming from my body. And I watched it go into any one. And uh, and then I came out and have been like this ever since. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, I, 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 I. There might be a reason NGK's mind expanded differently than Megan's did, and it could have something to do with the sheer amount of the substance he took. Oh, oh mine was wow! I remember walking up. It's a, it was a circle of about 20 people, and uh, you're in the forest or in the jungle. You're, you're, you're dieting. You're not eating past 5 p.m. or drinking water or anything. And they, uh, I was the last person to go up and take it. And I remember watching everybody go up and take theirs. They had one cup, one cup, one cup. And they get to me, and the shaman says something to the, the translator. And the translator goes, Whew. she says, you have a big shadow of darkness behind you. You need, you need more. And they like... <laughs> Megan and MGK never shy away from taking risks, whether it's travel destinations or fashion choices. The Rocker proposed to the actress in January underneath a banyan tree they discovered on one of their first excursions together. And last year, the Jennifer's Body star opened up to Access Hollywood's Zuri Hall about coordinating her daring red carpet looks with her soon-to-be husband. Went to, we went to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca like in a proper setting, like with indigenous people. And we were in the middle of the jungle. And I was thinking because the place we went, there's a lot of people like, I don't know if LeBron James has ever gone, but it's like a place where like, they're like, these kinds of people go here to do ayahuasca. So I was thinking it was like glamping or something like that. It's still going to be like a, some kind of five-star experience. And you get there and you really are in the middle of the jungle and you don't get to eat after like 1 p.m., you have to walk a very far distance to get your water. You can't shower because they're in a drought, so you can't use the water, obviously. Like, you need to respect the rainforest. Mm -hmm. um, nothing glamorous about it. It's all a part of sort of making you vulnerable so that you surrender to the experience. And the entire thing starts with something called vomitivo. I hope I'm allowed to divulge this, that it's okay that I share, but oh. I'm encouraging it. Um, so you go, and we were with 20 other strangers, and you all line up at, like, the, the edge of the rainforest over this weird fence and you go three by three and you drink lemongrass tea until you like by not your own volition just vomit everything out of your body so you so start, you have to vomit there's no way around you that can't part. get out of it and you have to vomit a certain amount before they let you get back with everybody so you're like cheering on everyone as they like grow up and as like what we do obviously we were like i don't know i'm not am i ready to just like throw up in front of all of these people but it's such a good bonding experience and <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but but that gets you ready to then go into the ceremony that night because you're like, I my vanity is gone. I've just done this in front of all of these strangers. I'm like, now I'm ready to like really open up. So we did it for three nights. It was incredibly intense. I went to everybody's journey is different. The second night I went to, to hell for eternity. Um, yeah. And to just knowing eternity is um, like t torture in itself because there was no beginning, middle or end. So you have like a real ego death. Wait, wait, now, now, how do you arrive and understand that that's what the moment is? Because is there a sign, next exit hell? Is it, I, yeah. 
I mean, it's, I, I was, it's your own psychological hell, basically, is the point of the medicine, right? This is a medicine that goes, it surpasses, like, anything you could do with talk therapy or, like, hypnotherapy or any of those things. It just goes straight into your soul, and it takes you to the psychological prison that you hold yourself in. So it's, it's your own version of hell, and I was definitely there. Wow. All right, so you guys just saw both those interviews of them talking about their ayahuasca um, experience. So, like I said, that's a whole nother rabbit hole that I may have to go down in another video, but not today. So anyhow, the reason why Meg Fox is basically trending now is that back on April 28th, um, her interview with Glamour Magazine came out. And in the interview, Megan is basically revealing that she drinks blood for ritual purposes, which I find very interesting because in the other clip, you see how the ayahuasca people were able to see this dark demonic spirit hovering over him and she's drinking his blood. So that kind of made my tin hat tingle. And I did watch the full interview. I thought the interview was interesting. And so when she's talking about, you know, drinking his blood and him drinking hers, to me, that reminds me of a ritual. I feel like that's what they're doing. So I'm going to go ahead and play you guys a clip of um, Meg Fox basically talking about her drinking MGK's blood. Y'all go ahead and check this out. I have social media, but I don't personally use it. Um, I have somebody who posts for me and I decide what I want to say. And then, But I don't actually physically do it myself because I think it's sinister. I think it's evil. And I don't think people understand. We've come to this place where we grasp like bullying is bad. But then when it comes to a celebrity, um, all of that is thrown out the window. Maybe. Also four years older than him. So I think I made him... My thoughts and intentions grew him into the person that he is. Who knows what he would have looked like or been like if it wasn't for me. I guess drank each other's blood might mislead people or like people are imagining us with like goblets and we're like Game of Thrones drinking each other's blood. It's just a few drops, but yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes only <laughs> it is used for a reason and it is controlled where it's like let's shed a few drops of blood and each drink it he's much more haphazard and hectic and chaotic where he's willing to just like cut his chest open with broken glass and be like take my soul let me bleed on you <laughs> it doesn't not happen let me tell you maybe not exactly like that but it a version of that has happened uh, many times now, what I find very interesting about everything she said, um, you guys also heard her talk about social media, how she doesn't really use social media because, you know, there's no way for her to protect her energy. So she usually tweets or she posts this stuff through like one of her, you know, assistants. And I find it very interesting that she's very aware that social media has a dark, evil side. And so she tries to protect her energy from that. But then she tries to act naive when it comes to this whole blood drinking thing. You know, she doesn't really go into depth. She just says, you know, for ritual purposes, but she doesn't state what the rituals are. Now, another thing I find interesting about that full interview is that Megan does talk a lot about God. She does seem very spiritual in a way. But like I always say, just because somebody talks about God all the time or they seem spiritual, you don't really know what God they're speaking of. And I think for some reason, she's trying to mix a lot of things that if she was really into God and she was really a practicing, let's say, Christian, you can't then mix it with like bloodletting rituals. It just you, you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to deal with the occult and you're going to deal with, you know, certain practices. But then you can't then be like, oh, but all praises go to God, this, this and that. 
And I feel like she's mixing a lot of stuff. She's mixing like Christianity. She's mixing nature. And then she also has like this, you know, this whole thing of doing occult practices. And I think she's doing a bit too much because again, what has me very, you know, nervous about this is I feel like they may have bought something back with them from that ayahuasca. You know, did that demon really leave MGK? Was it left there? Because before she started talking about drinking blood, initially they had came out a few months ago where they're basically wearing like blood in an omnit around their necks. So MGK had posted this back on February 14th on Valentine's Day of 2021. So that was just a few months after their ayahuasca trip. And he said this, my bloody Valentine. Then he says, I wear your blood around my neck. So it went from them basically wearing each other's blood around their neck to now she's talking about drinking blood. So I feel like they've just gone up another step. And so that just kind of has me worried, like, what did they bring back home with them from ayahuasca? And why is this the next step where she's openly saying that she's drinking his blood to perform rituals? Now, what's also interesting in that interview, she's talking about the ayahuasca experience again, where she's saying about the spirit that was around MGK. And she's saying that everybody around her, nobody was surprised about this, you know, the dark spirit being around him. And she says it's like an actual demon spirit that was hovering over him to no one's surprise. Anyone that knows him, when I tell this story, nobody's like, oh my God, everybody's like, mm, and then what? So that kind of made my, you know, like my tin hat tingle, like, okay, what is MGK really involved in? Because he's changed a lot over the years. You know, I used to like him for a little bit. You know, he had a few bops. He went against the quote-unquote rap god and things like that. And then since then, he's just gotten really dark. You know, he's very androgynous. He gets his nails done. He just does a lot of things that he was not doing when he first came out, was trying to be a hardcore hip-hop head. Now he's more rock and roll and trying to push the envelope. Another thing that I find very interesting about this couple is that we tend to see them with Travis and Courtney. Um, they were all at the MTV awards a few months ago, tongue kissing each other. I mean, just trying to do the most for attention. Right. But what else is interesting is that Megan Fox and MGK are not the only ones dabbling in blood. A few months ago, Travis Barker posted a picture and he put, he posted a picture of him and Kourtney Kardashian and he had two vampires as on the picture. And so people thought that was interesting and then Courtney writes in the comments, she says, I want to suck your blood. And then somebody replies back to her and they're like, okay, too much, calm down. Then Travis replies back to Courtney and says, my favorite blood. Okay. But then what's even more creepy is that Courtney Kardashian then posts on her Insta story a vial of Travis Barker's blood. What I'm not understanding is what is all this blood stuff between her, Megan, MGK, and Travis Barker. It's just starting to be really, really creepy, and it's coming out very occultic to me. Now, of course, they're not the first couples to dabble in the whole blood thing. If you guys remember when we were younger and we were growing up, we had Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie. She used to wear a vial of Billy Bob Thornton's blood around her neck. And Billy Bob was asked about this a few years ago back in, 20, uh, back in 2014. They had asked him, you know, what was that that whole situation about? And this is what Billy Bob had to say. She thought it would be interesting and romantic if we took a little razor blade and sliced our fingers and smeared a little blood on these lockets that you wear around your neck, just like you wear your son or daughter's baby hair in one. Same thing. 
from what we were wearing, quart jars of blood around our neck. He joked and the crowd laughed. We were vampires and we lived in a dungeon. So that was his response to that situation. Now, if you guys remember back in 1995 when Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson got married, in her guest book, she wrote, Pam loves Tommy in her own blood with like a paintbrush. So here's a picture of it right here. So I remember that being talked about way back in the day. And then also, let's not forget Marilyn Manson and Dita Von Teese. When they got married back in 2005, the two found a priest who'd be willing to cut their fingers. Marilyn and Drita, they reportedly wanted to lick each other's blood during the ceremony. Insiders claim they felt that exchanging their life's blood was a beautiful way of cementing their love rather than slipping a ring on the finger and giving each other a quick snot or a quick kiss. So now what's causing controversy today is that basically vampires are now coming out and they're blasting Megan and MGK about their blood drinking rituals. So they're sending out warnings because a lot of people on social media are now thinking this is like the coolest thing, honey, since sliced bread. So one of the tweets say MGK and Megan Fox are in their vampire era right now. Megan Fox confirmed she and MGK drink each other's blood, so they're vampires. Megan Fox and MGK, the part-time vampires. Somebody else says, I'm starting to think that Megan Fox and MGK might be vampires. So a lot of there was a lot of vampire talk over the weekend about these two. So the co-founder of the New Orleans Vampire Association, called Nova, is urging is urging Megan and MGK to take proper precautions before drinking their lover's blood, including testing for potential diseases and blood-borne illnesses, from which he says vampires are not immune. Megan and MGK have been together for nearly two years, which alleviates one concern, because Ashton says most vampires do extensive research on their blood donors before even using the slightest drop. He says it took him six months to get to know his blood donor and feel comfortable drinking their blood. And they still get tested every three months just to make sure. Father Sebastian, the founder of Endless Night's Vampire Ball, is also urging Megan and MGK to be super safe with their blood drinking, specifically with regards to withdrawing blood. MGK says he's willing to cut his chest with shards of broken glass to draw blood for Megan, but Sebastian says blood draw should only be done through medical professionals. While Ashton and Father Sebastian admit that they don't know all the ins and outs of MGK and Megan's blood rituals, they both agree no matter how weird it sounds to you, if done safely, it's kosher for consenting adults. So this is becoming very mainstream now that we have the two-head vampire fathers in the country coming out and speaking about this craziness. Now, another thing I find very interesting is the movies that Megan Fox has played in. One of her most recent movies, um, it was on Netflix, and it's called Night Teeth. And basically, in this movie, Megan Fox and uh, Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria, they're playing a pair of vampires, and they're trying to find willing victims. They're not the main... Well, Megan Fox is not the main star in the movie, but she is in the movie. I'm going to go ahead and play you guys a clip here. And in this clip, they're drinking blood. Here you are. Being reckless as ever. Drinking blood cocktails and white upholstery. And I'm the reckless one. So that's her most recent movie. But I think the most popular movie that everybody's talking about currently is when she starred in Jennifer's Body. And obviously she took her role in Jennifer's Body a little bit too literal, okay? This isn't really her house, is it? 
We can play mommy and daddy. No way. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Chip is looking really cute to me lately. How is he tasting these days? You are never a good friend. You could have anybody that you want. Why Chip? You're killing people. No, I'm killing boys. I scared. I only murder boys. I go both ways. Remember at the VMA's awards show, they also brought up Jennifer's body and Megan says that she eats souls. Check this out. This is the role that people talk about the, the most, Megan. Jennifer Check from Jennifer's Body. Oh, yes, of course. Because yeah, yeah. it's her alter ego when she gets mad at me. Is that it? Yeah. That's what it is. Yes. Things start flying. Jennifer is, is, is in there somewhere. I eat souls. I eat souls. I eat souls. Now, for y'all who don't know, we got a chance to watch Jennifer's body this weekend on the Discord. So um, it was pretty good. You know, it, it's it's one of those flicks. It really didn't go mainstream until after. It's more like a cult following now, but it wasn't popular back in 2009. I don't think folks were ready for it way back then, but more people have gone back and rewatched the movie. Um, and there were some disturbing things in there, of course. A lot of occultic symbolism in there as well. But one of the things that's really creepy about the movie that if you guys do not know, there's two main real facts in that movie, okay? There is really a devil's kettle, and it is here in my state of Minnesota. It's up north near Duluth. Devil's kettle sounds twisted, I know, but the place is just named after a waterfall. Technically, it's not a normal waterfall. It goes into this hole, and it doesn't come out. The scientist guys dropped all kinds of things down there, but nothing ever surfaces. Maybe it's another dimension. Or, you know, just really deep. If you've ever visited the North Shore, you've no doubt been in awe of the jagged rock and tumbling waterfalls, and perplexed by one in particular. It's a big hole. There's still no real confirmation as to where the water goes once it goes in. This is Devil's Kettle on the Brule River near Grand Marais water in the left fork of the river appears to just vanish into rock. We'll see if anybody calls me from China. In 2012, Mike Binkley even tossed in a ping pong ball with his phone number. He's still waiting for that call. Others have tossed in logs, even die, but nothing surfaces. So that was not made up for the movie. That was real. Devil's Kettle is a real area in Minnesota. And so that kind of caught me off guard when I seen that in the movie because it was my first time watching the movie. I'm like, hold up, that's here in my great state, okay? So now the other part that's very interesting about the movie, Jennifer's Body, is it's based on a true story. It's about a 15-year-old girl named Elise Fowler um, who grew up in Aurora Grand, California. And basically, she was killed on July 22nd, 1995. So what basically happened to poor Elise is that she had these so-called friends, okay? There were three fellow teens. One was Jacob Delishment, the other was Royce Casey, and the third was Joseph Fiorella. And so they had invited her to come smoke weed with them. And so she decided to go. You know, these were her, her friends. And so she went down there to go smoke weed. And so she started feeling the effects of the marijuana, and she kind of let down her guard. 
And what ended up happening is that Jacob then removed his belt and used it to strangle her. Royce held her down while she struggled. Meanwhile, Joseph pulled out a knife and stabbed her in the neck multiple times. Eventually, the other two took the blade as well, and they started stabbing her. Now, if that wasn't horrific enough, they then raped her lifeless body because Elise was a virgin. And the boys then left her body in the grove, but they would return more than once to continuously sexually assault and sleep with her corpse, okay? The murder was planned well in advance. And the whole reason why they did this is because it was a ritual sacrifice. The boys believed that they murdered a virgin and they sacrificed her to Satan because they had this death metal band um, that they were working on in their garage. But these fools felt like, you know, they didn't want to actually work hard and, you know, try and create a demo and shop it to different music labels. No, they thought, you know, let's let's surpass all that. Let's just find a virgin and sacrifice her to Satan. And that's what they did. And they ended up murdering her. And I mean, the whole situation is sad because this was a 15-year-old girl. Now, what's crazy is that these boys bragged for months to anybody who would listen about them committing this murder, sleeping with this dead body. Nobody took them seriously until Elise's remains were found in that grove eight months later. They found her body in March of 1996. So they had been going back and forth to that grove for months until she was discovered still, you know, doing things to her. Um, the autopsy revealed that the 15-year-old had been stabbed more than 12 times. Now, the reason why this case was finally broken open is because Royce Casey, he finally had a change of heart. So what happened is that finally Casey converted to Christianity because he realized that was the right way to go. And so he confessed to his crimes. So once he confessed to his crimes, he also told on his bandmates as well, and they were arrested. So this was a real situation. Now, what's so crazy is that less than 10 months ago, this came back into national headline news because right now, one of the three teens that were convicted, they've recently been granted to be able to go up for parole. So y'all go ahead and check out this news clip really quick. It's a story that gained national attention in the mid-1990s, and it's now back in the spotlight. We're learning that one of the three teens convicted of the murder of 15-year-old Elise Paler of Arroyo Grande in July of 1995 was recently granted parole suitability. Royce Casey was the oldest of the three. He was 17 years old at the time of Paler's murder. Jacob DeLashmet was 16 years old, and Joseph Fiorella was 15. They've been behind bars for more than two decades now, but Casey may be given another shot at life outside his prison cell. Now that he's been granted parole suitability, the Board of Parole Hearings staff has 90 days to look at the facts, and then the governor has 30 days to review it and decide what's next. KSBY News reporter Alexa Bertola has more on this case from the San Luis Obispo County Courthouse. Royce Casey could be released from Valley State Prison in Chowchilla as soon as this summer. Now District Attorney Dan Dow has since penned this letter to Governor Gavin Newsom asking him to deny Casey parole. It's one of the worst crimes I've ever um, read about, quite frankly. 15-year-old Elise Paler was brutally murdered in July of 1995. The three boys responsible, Royce Casey, Jacob DeLashmet, and Joseph Fiorella, followed the lyrics to a death metal band. So they really felt strongly that, you know, they needed to sacrifice a blonde-haired, blue-eyed virgin girl, and that that would help them in their music careers. Eight months later, Casey led authorities to Paler's remains on the Napomo Mesa, just a quarter mile from her parents' home. All three were sentenced to 25 years to life, and now Casey could soon be released from prison. 
the family feels okay about Royce getting out. He's shown remorse. He's been apologetic. And he's done everything right and really tried to reform himself. According to the victim's family lawyer, Alan Hutkin, Casey has been an honor inmate and earned a college degree. District Attorney Dan Dow is fighting his potential release. In this letter to Governor Gavin Newsom, he says, quote, Casey still has not developed insight into the character defects that allowed him to participate in such a hideous crime. Our community um, really deserves to know that this person, before he's released, has been not only rehabilitated, but he understands and accepts the weight of the responsibility that he had as the oldest of the three uh, juveniles that uh, brutally murdered Elise Paler. I reached out to Casey in prison, but I have not yet heard back. I'm told if he is released, his plans are to move to L.A. and work in drug counseling. In San Luis Obispo, Alexa Bertola, KSBY News. We reached out to Royce Casey's lawyer who sent us this statement. Had we known then what we know now about adolescent brain development, Royce's case would likely have remained in the juvenile justice system. Nevertheless, his transformation over the past 24 years has been the most genuine and profound that I have ever witnessed. He has so much to offer. I look forward to learning more from him. And the two others convicted of murdering Elise Paler have parole suitability hearings within the next three Governor years. Gavin Newsom has reversed the parole board's decision to release one of the three men convicted in the 1995 murder of Aurora Grande 18, Elise Paler. Royce Casey was a teenager when he took part in Paler's murder. Earlier this year, he was granted parole suitability. But San Luis Obispo County District Attorney Dan Dow urged the governor to reject his release. In his decision, the governor said Casey needs to do more work to understand why he committed the crime. All right, so you guys just saw that video. So like I said, this entire situation is really disturbing when you look at it on a deeper level. I'm not sure what's going on right now with Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, but they, along with Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, have definitely made a turn for the dark side. Now, another thing that I found interesting that made my ears perk up is during that Glamour interview, Megan Fox was saying that, you know, Machine Gun Kelly is the man that she envisioned in her thoughts. And then she also went on to say that her thoughts and her intentions grew him into the man that she fell in love with. I'm also four years older than him, so I think I made him, my thoughts and intentions grew him into the person that he is. Who knows what he would have looked like or been like if it wasn't for me. Who knows who he would have been without her intentions. And the reason why I found that part very interesting is that if you know the definition of the succubus, and you can find this in the Bible as well, a succubus is a demon or a supernatural entity in folklore, in female form. She appears in dreams to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. According to religious traditions, repeated sexual activity with the succubus can cause poor physical or mental health, even death. In modern representation, a succubus is often depicted as a beautiful seductress or an enchantress rather than a demon or something that's frightening. Like I spoke about in my Johnny Depp and Amber Heard video, these deities can come in male or female, okay? So it's not just a woman's spirit, it can also inhibit into a man, but when it enters into a man, it's called an incubus. Another thing that's also said about the succubus is that it appears in men's dreams to seduce them as an effort to obtain their seed. So as a way for them to get pregnant and bear their child and things like that, the demons will impregnate women in their dreams. The children of this wicked union were normally born with some kind of deformity, 
prone to be influenced by demonic beings. So, when there were rumors that an incubi child had been born, the child was immediately rejected, deemed as cursed from the beginning. According to some versions of Arthurian legends, the Merlin wizard was the fruit of a woman incubus union. That is why he is often called the son of the devil as vampire creatures. After all, like these demons, vampires tend also to use seduction-based tricks to attract their victims and drain their vital energy while drinking their blood. When you listen to Machine Gun Kelly talk about Megan Fox, he's very obsessed with her. Like, she's his everything. Even during that VMA interview, he's like looking at her and saying he can't even focus. She's so beautiful. And he's making sure that every hair is in place. From hip hop too. Being different was the right choice. Yes. It's hard to focus when she's standing next to me because I just want to look at her all night and admire her beauty. Let me fix this. So he's definitely fixated with Megan Fox as she is with him. So that's the vibe I get from their relationship. But, you know, again, I look at stuff esoterically. So I want to know what you guys think about this video. Let me know your thoughts on this entire situation. How do you guys feel about Megan Fox talking about her trip to hell on her ayahuasca trip? Also, how do you guys feel about the vampires now coming out and telling Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, this is not okay, y'all need to be careful because people are starting to see it as some type of trend. Last but not least, did you guys know that Jennifer's body was based around a real story about 15-year-old Elise Pollard? What's very interesting is that the woman who wrote and directed Jennifer's body, her birth name was Brooke Michelle Busby, but now she goes by the name Diablo Cody. And as we all know, Diablo in Spanish means devil. So it's a lot of just darkness tied to this entire situation. But I want to hear y'all's thoughts. I want to know what you guys think about everything. Go ahead and leave a comment. Make sure you guys like the video. Don't forget to share the video. Last but not least, make sure you're still subscribed to the channel. And I'll talk to y'all later. Deuces. You want the latest news in the streets. Join us and tune in for the tea. Breaking news with integrity. So sell your friends and your family. It's the Lovely TV Show. Bringing you good tea and good vibes. It's the Lovely TV Show. Be sure to share, like, and subscribe.